We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA front office show. It's trade deadline week right now. Trade deadline kind of creeping along. Things are a little bit slow, but those trade talks can pick up at any moment. We do have a number of news and notes to get into today. Make sure you are subscribing to the YouTube channel here, as well as the podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Keith, how are you? How are you holding up? I'm at the point where I get nervous now when I go to the grocery store. Yeah, I'm already there. Like, I'm nervous when I'm jumping the shower. Like, I'm like, <laughs> like news will break. gonna miss. So, and the only ones that get me are the ones where it's like three or four in a row notifications. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, something is happening right now. And then I've been known to get out and drip all over the floor and check my phone. <laughs> So, um, but anyway, yeah, it's a nut. Now everybody's like unsubscribe on <laughs> this channel for life. I don't need that kind of, uh, filth in my mentions here. So it's a, yeah, no man. It's yeah. We're roughly as we're recording this roughly 49 hours out, uh, from the trade deadline. It, it's uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, trade deadline is Thursday afternoon. So it's very interesting. A couple people ask, and I'm sure you get people ask you this too. They're like, is it always this quiet? And the answer is, yeah, kind of like yeah. Mondays. Usually the last day teams are like, got to get two first for this guy. And other teams are like, I'll give you two seconds. That's usually the last day of that kind of posturing. And then Tuesday, things pick up a little bit. Wednesday, they really start to pick up. And then obviously Thursday is like crazy minus there's a little lull right around lunchtime on the East Coast. I think everybody does their morning trade talks. Then they all are like, all right, on the East Coast, we're going to grab lunch. You go grab breakfast, and we'll pick this right back up yeah. uh, around 1 o'clock Eastern. And then it's like a sprint straight through to the 3 p.m. deadline. So I'm not really surprised. We've also already had a couple big trades and a mm -hmm. small trade as well. So that that's you know got to be factored in here You know when people get into this. What did encourage me was Woj, who's now doing uh, like nightly, but then they post like the next morning pods with Bobby Marks uh, this whole week. He said he feels like a trade is going to, I think his wording was, we're probably going to get a trade on Tuesday and then maybe a couple more on Wednesday. And then he was like, and then Thursday will be, you know, crazy. And so that gives me hope that maybe something will happen at some point to, today here. So Hopefully while we're recording. Yeah, hopefully while we're recording, but we both know I have to leave in roughly an hour from when we're recording this to do school pickups. So that's probably as soon as I get in the car. Yes. Yeah. So then we know so everybody can can prepare themselves because yeah. that's when yeah. that's going to happen. Um, I as did write about to this, this after the fact. <laughs> yes. We're not live today. <laughs> <laughs> I did write about this a little bit for uh, the basketball bulletin, which you guys can see. Back here, that's our sub stack that we launched just yesterday. Already a great response. If you guys haven't checked it out, I'm putting the link in the description down below. Keith also put his game notes out there. Incredibly detailed, yet very easy to get through Keith's game notes. So if you're wondering what's going on around the NBA, he's got a lot of stuff there from watching a number of different games. And then I got into kind of the economics of the entire trade market and why things have been a little bit slower, why things may pick up and where things are at right now. So again, you can check that out. And that is, again, we're trying to deliver some quality content, some quality written content for you while providing something that we think will be will be worthwhile for you and worthwhile the subscription. So go check it out, uh, the Basketball Bulletin. It's, uh, this has been, I know we just started it, but this has been a lot of fun so far, Keith. Yeah, absolutely. This is a chance for us to get all of our 
thoughts that don't belong anywhere else that we work, they, they, they don't really fit in those places. So this is a chance for us to get our, our other thoughts out there and where we're going to do things like probably more detailed playoff thoughts when we get mm-hmm. into the playoff time. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll both probably do some draft related thoughts uh, in there as well. And some more maybe in-depth off season thoughts as far as like moves and how guys are fitting in places and those kind of things. So it, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but we're, we're still doing our primary jobs, you know, for me over at Spot Track, you uh, with Lakers Nation, and then both of us here with Front Office Show. And then we're we're just expanding. So it's all meant to be additive. And let us know what you think and what you want to see. Those kind of things. Give us ideas for how we can engage you too as uh, readers and subscribers because that's a big part of the goal. We, We like having you be part of the whole thing with us. Yeah, this is this is a great way to support us directly, and uh, and a great way to to interact, and you know, for uh, for us to be able to give you something uh, a little bit more than just than just the front office show here. So make sure you guys do check that out again. I'll put the link in the description down below for the basketball bulletin. All right, uh, Keith, we do have a lot of news to get into today. Uh, a lot of things that we need to talk about. So let's let's dive in here, and let's start off, I guess, with the big news: Joel Embiid. Uh, an update on him. It sounds like he's getting reevaluated in four weeks. I like that they're calling it a procedure on his knee and not a, a surgery. <laughs> we know it's really a surgery, but but it, it sounds like the, the 76ers are doing what they can to try to soften this. How optimistic are you that in four weeks it's really going to be, okay, he's going to come back and not in four weeks? It's, well, actually, he is going to be out the whole, se- the whole season. Yeah, I don't like the vagueness around all of this where it is like you said procedure not surgery they're saying an injury instead of saying what the injury was mm-hmm. i i don't understand the need for all the secrecy around it unless there's some mitigating factor that we don't really understand and in maybe to some extent all we are owed is we'll let you know in four weeks could I it be the a- trade deadline What's that? Like, could it be the trade? Because we're having this conversation know, with the Lakers with Jared Vanderbilt too. Yeah. Could like because teams, if they know Embiid is out for the season, doesn't that change the Sixers' leverage in in trade discussion? Yeah. The same thing with Jared Vanderbilt. If the Lakers are looking for a wing, don't they want it out there that Jared Vanderbilt might return in like four weeks or something like that? Which he won't really, but I don't know. Sure. Like this time of year, you're always looking for angles on things, and I may be be kind of. That may be going conspiracy theory here, but just curious to get your thought on on that. Is your tinfoil hat tucked over to the side over there, and you'll throw it is. Later. Yes, it, yeah. It is. I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I've got to roll a duct tape. That's kind of that's close enough. Duct <laughs> uh, tape can fix all, so I don't know why I couldn't block uh, signals and everything else. But right, yeah, that's I mean, what MacGyver says. Yeah, truth. Right, my dad says <laughs> that too. Oh, you broke your leg? Just throw some duct tape around it and get, get back fine. out there. Dude, don't rub it. Don't rub it. Don't show me your week. Um, anyway, it's, um, yeah, I mean, maybe. I think where Philly's in a slightly different spot is just because we know they're trying to live in two worlds right now, which is be a really good team, add to a really good team, but keep a ton of cap flexibility mm-hmm. into the summer. So I don't know how much it changes. Like, hey, Joel Embiid's out for the year. You want to trade for Clint Capella? And I'm only throwing him out there because we know he's someone who's been in trade talks. I think for Philly, it's like, no, and we wouldn't want to do that anyway because that would eat into our flexibility next summer. So I, I I think it's probably more of maybe they really don't know, right? Maybe it is truly, we don't know what this looks like. So my, my piece of optimism here, though, is they told us four weeks. The four to six week time frame is the generally the shorter end time frame when mm-hmm. there has been a surgery done, uh, meaning you could sometimes it's two to four weeks of rest and see what it looks like. They clearly did not go down that path. So maybe the four weeks is, hey, we feel like in four weeks, he maybe is able to start some form of activities and start ramping back up. Certainly better than the six to eight months uh, period, which is general. We would have got if it was the kind of full big deal surgery that's right. going to wipe you out for the rest of the season and beyond. So, so we'll, we'll take it as at least encouraging to that extent. Yeah. And, and so I, I really hope that in four weeks, and again, we say it all the time, but the word reevaluate does not mean return, but I hope in four weeks time, 
we're hearing Joel Embiid is on track to return in X amount of time, right? Like that's that's the ideal update that you get. If you're looking at this saying, oh, cool, Joel Embiid is back in four weeks, you're going to be disappointed. Um, and the same yeah. thing is true with Jared Vanderbilt and every other player that gets that word reevaluate. Uh, but what you want to hear with the next update is he's on track to return in a week, in three weeks, in what, you know, whatever it is. That's the ideal information that you want. It's also possible they just kick the can down the road and say he'll be reevaluated again in two weeks or, or whatever. Uh, but a lot is going to hinge on that next report that we get. But the good thing is, for now, they're not just saying he's done. And you're right, maybe there is some optimism that uh, that he can come back this season. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, hey, let's hang on to it for as long as we can. For sure. They need him. He's a big important important part of everything NBA. So we, you know, well, let's get him back. My whole thing is, and I really hope him and the Sixers and they block out any outside noise if that has anything to do with anything. If he is not ready. Do not bring him back till he's ready. He's just too important. Too important to everything in the NBA, never mind just his importance, obviously massive, to the 76ers. Don't rush him back. It's just not worth it. You know, because we see too many times, especially with big guys, they come back earlier than they should, and then something else mm-hmm. comes up, whether it's related to the same injury or it's something related to – it's a different injury, but related to that injury where it's, you know, an overcompensation thing, right. or something like that. And this guy's had all sorts of stuff going on already. So I just want him to come back when he's ready to, to go. For sure. All right. Uh, Bobby Marks noted a lack of interest in 2024 picks. That was on that Adrian Wojnarowski pod that you, that you noted earlier. Um, yeah. Lack of interest in the, in 2024 draft picks. This is the word about this draft class is that it's kind of a weak class. And so I think that is part of the reason for this. Now, there's also some teams that already have a bunch of 2024 draft capital. So if they're going to get a draft pick, they don't want it to be another 2024 pick because how many rookies are you really going to put onto a team? So that's part of this too. Uh, And then the other, another factor in the market right now that's slowing things down is that there's simply more buyers than sellers. That is a byproduct of the the play-in tournament in part. Also just some of the parity that we're seeing around the NBA. But all of this is serving to sort of depress the market because sellers are looking at buyers and saying, here's the price. I, we know it's high, but what else are you going to do? We're the only game in town. And buyers are like, eh, there's not that many big names out there. Nobody really get excited over or fork over everything we've got for. So no, thank you. And that's kind of where we're stuck right now. Yeah. And on top of that, some of the sellers, like the teams that would be very traditional sellers of, Hey, mm-hmm. let's move our vets. Let's really do this. You have teams like the Pistons who are trying to be better next year. So they're not your traditional seller. The Spurs, they don't have much to sell because they're already so young as it is. The uh, Hornets have guys to move, but some of them are on very difficult contracts to move. So when you factor in those kind of things, there is not the team that is 10 and 35 and says, all right, we've got some guys. Let's let's get some guys moving here. Like that's it, it's just a little bit of a different environment. I just looked it up. So in the East, they think if we say the line is the play-in tournament, mm-hmm. where teams are trying to get to, I think there's 11 teams realistically alive. Toronto's lost three in a row. They're now five games behind Atlanta. So I'm going to say the Raptors, Hornets, Wizards, and Pistons are all out. Five games is a lot to make up. Even you know. Even with almost a half a season left, that's just a lot, a big chunk of games. In the West, it's only uh, one uh, extra team is still alive. You get the Rockets and Warriors are each a game behind the Jazz, so so they're they're right there too. They they're right you know on the cusp of catching them. So that leaves the Grizzlies, Trailblazers, and Spurs as all kind of out there. So if we we take it at that, that's seven teams that are completely out of the uh, postseason picture. When we get into that point, that's when you really start to look at it and say, all right, I kind of get you know, why maybe this is slow to develop. Related to the lack of interest in 2024 picks, as Bobby Marks noted a couple weeks ago, 11 teams control 75% of the future draft picks in the league, which is bonkers. So you have it's, some teams just don't have anything to trade, right? They, they don't have if, – if, if I'm team X and saying, you know, being realistic about it, I need a first round pick for player Y. 
some teams may not have that first round pick to give up. And that's why we're hearing with some teams like your Lakers, like Mm -hmm. a handful of other teams where this summer becomes a bigger, more wide because they, they then can go from one tradable pick to maybe two or three, excuse me. So that becomes a big, big thing to really work through for these teams. And then to go back to the original part of it, yeah, 2024 is considered right now to be a fairly weak draft. We're roughly, let's call it five months, four and a half months out from that draft. And now we've, by now, we've usually kind of crystallized into, all right, we feel pretty good about the top three to five players. I talked to some people yesterday, and two different people gave me almost two completely different top Mm. fives. Uh, I think they only had two players overlapping within their top fives, and that's very rare. Uh, for this time of year. And a lot of it, they both left it with, and I might give you a completely different one a month from now. And I might give you a different one a month from then when we have a better idea what the draft order is. So it really seems like it's going to be very team dependent. Uh, There's not, no one is seen as a true can't miss prospect and certainly not three, four, five of those like we've seen in some recent drafts. So it's really kind of that little bit of a down year. Now, Everybody's saying there's a lot of depth throughout, but that depth throughout doesn't necessarily help you if you're a team that's just trying to get off of one guy for one pick or right. something like that. That That's where it becomes a bit more of a challenge. Yeah, and if you're a seller and you've got, you've got something that teams want, you may say, well, you can give me one pick now, but in July, you can give me two picks. So that's where, where things get, get different is that – teams that have a player under under contract for multiple years will have that extra incentive to just wait and keep their prices high. Now, I mean, I've heard that that some that there's some thought out there that there could still be kind of a, a fire sale mode from a few teams right ahead of the deadline, but like get, we're getting closer to that point. We'll see if that actually winds up winds up happening or not. I selfishly I hope it does so we get we get some exciting stuff to talk about and we don't have the like a dud of a deadline we we had one what was it it had to be like 15 years ago now where the deadline was just like like Anthony Carter was like yeah the only things that happened yeah right yeah and then there was that one where it was like I think the magic made like a super minor trade for somebody and it was like what are we doing there was the uh it it just lives in uh Dan Lebertod lore where he was talking about um Alexi Shved was like the one thing. And he's like, we heard all these names. And then we got Shved. We got <laughs> Shved. Like it became almost like a Seinfeld like reference there. So it was, uh, yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, there's been a couple duds. So I, I think the other thing that, because it's related to the same topic, because it came out of the same podcast. Woj said, kind of, I'm very much paraphrasing, but don't look for the superstar trades. But yeah. guys who were their team seventh to like 11th man, those are the trades we're probably going to get. We might see a lot of shuffling around. And I like to say rebalancing trades. Maybe a team is, we've got an extra big, we need a wing. Mm-hmm. You need a big, you've got an extra wing. We do a trade like that. Or sometimes the rebalance is, hey, we're going to send you uh, this guy because you can eat an extra year on your cap sheet. We can't. So we we do it this way. Uh, we need to get out of the tax kind of moves. I think we're going to get a whole bunch of those kind of things. So ho- hopefully, you know, it, it ends up being a very, very busy deadline anyway. All right. Speaking of players that could be moved to the deadline and potentially a busy deadline, the Mavs and the Pacers are rumored to be interested in Andrew Wiggins. Now, we know Golden State has been a team that's been talked about to potentially make some moves here. Uh, things are not looking for good good for them in the standings. Obviously, right now, they still have time to potentially fix that. But let's take a look at Andrew Wiggins. This is over on SpotTrack, the, the salary cap sheet. I mean, $24.3 million this season. You have $26.3 million essentially next season. Then you have $28.2 million the season after that. Then... The dreaded player option, 30 point, almost 2 million. Uh, what are we thinking? What kind of value does Andrew Wiggins return here? We know teams are always after 3 and D players out on the market. Andrew Wiggins has not had a great season, though. Where does this Where does this go? Yeah, well, what's funny is if Andrew Wiggins was just playing decent basketball, I got the pop checking in here uh, <laughs> right now, you would look at it and you would say, all right, Look at those percentages of the cap below each of those numbers. 
they're all below 20% of the cap. So you would be like, all right, I'm kind of yeah. not against it, right? Like it's kind of okay. Like not, not the end of the world there. Um, the problem is he's not playing anything approaching decent basketball right now. He's playing terribly. He is really having an awful year. And unless you're a team that can afford to take the chance because maybe your salary cap sheet is set up so well, all right, if we miss on this, we miss and it's not going to kill us, right? right. We, we've got enough flexibility to do other things. That would be kind of the Pacers situation. Um, or you're the Mavs where it's like, hey, maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle and he becomes the Andrew Wiggins that helped the Warriors win a title a couple years ago. We we need to take that opportunity because they don't have a lot of other things that they can do. So I, it's it's tough. I mean, that's a lot of money to to put to a guy where mm-hmm. we're just not sure where he's going to be as a basketball player not i wouldn't even say i'm not even really all that worried about the player option year i'm more worried about where's he going to be next year and the year beyond like like where, where are we going to be for those years that that's where it could get really tough yeah that's that's going to be the challenge for teams they're going to have to really sell themselves on the idea that the andrew wiggins that we've seen so far this year is not what he is that's not this is not the truth this is a slump this is a fit concern this is something else and that he will go back to being the guy that we saw in in previous seasons that's what you that's where you have to get if you're willing to trade for andrew wiggins and the mavs the pacers maybe they are teams that'll be willing to to take that risk but i i would have to imagine if this was a two-year contract even, there would be a lot more interest in Andrew Wiggins. A lot more teams would be clamoring to get him. It's that four years, especially that player option on the last year too, because then if he isn't very good, he winds up picking up that option and you're not thrilled with it. And that's a a lot of money to sit on your books for that long, even when we're looking at the percentage of the cap that it is. So you got to be careful with a deal like this and you have to be really convinced and you have convinced and you have to have that conviction that he's going to go back to being what he was. And if that's the case, then somebody might just get a bargain here. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, here's something uh, to, this just kind of blew my mind. Hmm. This is his fourth full season with the Warriors. On one hand, it feels like it was yesterday that he was traded for D'Angelo Russell. But on another hand, it also kind of feels like it happened a decade ago. Yeah, I'm with you, but Fourth full season with the Warriors. Here's what he did in the other years with the War. I'm not going to do the half season because that was weird. He only played in 12 games with them anyway. Yeah. That Warriors team was terrible. The next year, 48% from the field, 38% from three, 18.6 points per game. The next year when he was an all-star and the Warriors won the title, 47% from the field, 39% from three, 17.2 points per game. The last season, he was minimal games, only played in 37 games. Remember, he had a personal issue that kept him out. But when he did play, 47% from the field, 39% from three, almost 40% from three, 17.1. This season, he's played in most of their games, 44% from the field. So that's pretty pretty big drop. The major drop, 31% from three. And his three-point attempts per game have been cut almost in half. Now, he is playing five minutes less per game. Some of that's Clay Thompson's fully back. Jonathan Kaminga's been better, but still. And he's down to 12.2% there. So effective field goal percentage, pretty good measure of like how efficient a guy is. Over over his full years with the Warriors, 54, 54, 56. This year, only 48%. So that's a big drop. Really just, yeah, it's something... Something has happened with Andrew Wiggins that has caused him to all of a sudden be be not I hate to put it this way, but just a bad basketball player. He's just bad right now. And and you can't make that trade unless you believe you can get it, get him back on track, right? You you have to believe, hey, we can get him back going again. And if you don't, then you got you have to walk away from him. You can't you can't trade for him. Yeah. That that's gonna be that's the challenge. It, it would be a surprise to see him moved, honestly, at the at the trade deadline Agreed. because of the gamble you would have to be taking to do it. But yep. nonetheless, he's a he's a name that's out there. We'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, another thing that we had go down here: Ricky Rubio, who said he's done with the NBA, uh, signs with Barcelona. So I mean, good to see him continuing to play basketball. We know he was dealing with all the you know, with the mental health issue, and we we reported all on that. 
Uh, and now he is. He's going to continue playing uh, overseas with Barcelona. Maybe. Um, there's a. It, it's still a little up in Could the air. This if, be a, be a like retire with them type thing. Uh, we'll see. So what happens in in um, European basketball? It's like like most European sports, basketball follows the same model as soccer. There's mm-hmm. kind of two two competitions that go on, uh, uh, run parallel with each other. So they have their domestic league, which is the Spanish league, the ACB. Um, then there is also the Euro League, which is like kind of like Champions League um, mm-hmm. for those who are more familiar with that in soccer, where it's the best teams from a whole bunch of leagues around Europe compete. For EuroLeague, in order to have a player available for the remainder of the EuroLeague competitions, you have you had to sign them by, I believe it's 5 p.m. somebody's time. I don't know whose time it is. It might be British Standard Time, might be whatever, Paris, maybe, but wherever. 5 p.m. on Wednesday, so they were right it's up. It's five o'clock somewhere. Tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. It is five o'clock somewhere. So it's five o'clock tomorrow. Players had to be signed. Otherwise, they couldn't play in EuroLeague. So basically, Barcelona said, hey, we're going to sign you. And if you want to play, there'll be a roster spot for you. If you don't really want to play, then that's fine, too. You know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll look, look at other options and go in a in a different direction, maybe. And we'll, we'll figure it out um, you know, there. So we're going to see. He's practiced with them some. Here he joined them, uh, you know, uh, in the last week or so for some practices. He said openly uh, in his thing, like, I may return back to playing, but it'd probably be in Spain. Barcelona is the club he played for right before he came uh, mm-hmm. to, to the NBA. So so we're, we're, we're going to see, you know, where this goes with Ricky Rubio. My thing is, the big takeaway I have is his public comment was he's feeling better. Like, he's feeling better. He's in a better place. And honestly, that's all I really care about. Like I'm, I'm happy for him. And if, if he can play basketball again, fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. If he can play basketball, great. That's the cherry on top, but hopefully, yeah, he is indeed feeling better. And, uh, and that is indeed what's important. All right. We're going to pause for a moment to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. And that is bet us bet us. We are America's favorite sports book and to celebrate our 30 year anniversary. We are giving 125% sign up bonus and up to 30 risk-free bets. So what are you waiting for? Join now. Guys, super easy to check out BetUS. I'm showing you on the screen right now over on the YouTube channel. You can check out all the different uh, offerings they've got. Very, very easy to use. And they do have that 125% deposit match for first-time depositors. Very, very simple to use. You hop onto their site. They have all kinds of different options here. You can look at the Suns, the Bucks, all kinds of different games that you can check out with BetUS really have a ton of options and they make it all very, very simple, very, very easy to use. We're going to put that link in the description down below for you to use. You guys can check that out. Head over to BetUS. Again, get that deposit match of 125%. They have 24-7 customer service and 24-hour cash out. So go check out BetUS today. Great sponsor for our show. All right, Keith, let's jump back into the, the trade news here. Three teams reportedly interested in Miles Bridges. We know one is the Phoenix Suns. By the way, did you see uh, Miles Bridges had quite a game against my Lakers last night? I called it, some people call that an audition game. I haven't heard the Lakers have interest in in Miles Bridges. Um, I guess it's possible, but I took that as a come get me game, as a message (laughs) to the teams around the NBA. Someone come get me. Uh, He was fantastic uh, against the Lakers. Three teams interested we know one is the phoenix suns do we have any idea who the other two are i don't think there's been like clear reporting there's been some mention that maybe the pistons could be interested that would be bringing him back home to uh the michigan area where where he played college i believe that's also where he's from so we'll see here's the challenge with miles bridges beyond the very known challenge of the pr hit you're mm-hmm. going to take if you trade for him. That's that's an issue you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have a whole bunch of questions to answer, and you're going to have to have a plan for how you answer those as any franchise. But if we keep it strictly to cap and contract type stuff, Miles Bridges, one, has the ability to block any trade because he signed his qualifying offer as a restricted free agent. So he can basically say, no, not going, not, not going to go. Uh, you have it up there. He's at $7.9 million. That was his qualifying offer. Why he can block any trade is 
any players on a one-year deal with bird rights or early bird rights uh, loses those rights if they're traded. So Bridges would get traded, loses bird rights. So let's just say it was the Lakers, for mm-hmm. example. Let's say the Lakers are like, we liked what we saw, and he's a clutch client. Let's grab him, and let's bring him home with us. Maybe maybe they smuggled him in their luggage back to L.A. <laughs> as they head home after the Grammy strip. Change your jersey so, and come get on the plane. <laughs> there it is. Get, get in there. The Lakers are super limited in what they could resign him for because mm-hmm. it's it's a very small raise because they would only have his non-bird rights. So now you're talking about, hey, is the mid-level exception enough for you? Um, probably not, right? He probably wants more than that in an ideal world. So what becomes a major challenge is if Miles Bridges is going to say, all right, I accept a trade, it's probably going to be to somewhere where it is you better be able to pay me. That's why a team like the Pistons could make sense because they're projected to have cap space. So they could then bring him in and say, Hey, here's the $20 million a year you wanted or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be uh, a team that's over the cap is going to be really limited in what they could give him. So there's your challenge where if he stays in Charlotte and let's say he says, I'll just play out the rest of the year with the Hornets. We stink, but I'll keep piling up big, big numbers and showing teams what I can do. Then what teams could do is say, hey, we like him. He's now a year further removed from all the off-court nonsense and horrible stuff that happened. We we can maybe work around that a little bit easier. And maybe he's a year into nothing else has happened. And we'll do a sign-in trade. And then at that point, that's how he can get his $20, 25000000 million, whatever it is, in salary there. So that's why it's very difficult to make a trade for Miles Bridges because this is not a situation where he's he's not a guy who's like, well, I'm only going to make $10 million anyway next year, so I don't really care. Like, anybody trade for me and let's go. He is standing to look at a very, very big contract, and that's why he him sacrificing his bird rights is not as easy as a play as it maybe seems like it could be. So from the team perspective, if you are a team that projects to have cap space, the incentive to bring him in now versus let's bring him in over the summer, let's just sign him over the summer rather than give up something to get him now, is you essentially give him kind of a sneak peek, you get him into your system, and ideally you sway him to, you love it here, right? You love this area, you love everything that we've got going on with this team, and you're just going to stay rather than than move again. So you're kind of getting a quick look, Adam, ahead of, free agency and ideally you get them to to stick around and you can use your cap space to keep them uh for a team that is a contender that doesn't project to have cap space you have to look at him as just a just a weapon that's going to come in and help you out with some scoring off the bench and then you're probably going to lose him over the summer and for some teams that may be okay if you're phoenix and you say hey we're trying to make a run for a title if we win a title and then he walks away so be it Right, we got what we what we wanted here. So that those are the two situations that we have to look at here for uh, for teams if they've got cap space, if they don't have cap space, and their motivation for doing that. Now the question is, how much motivation does either one of those situations provide in terms of assets you'd be willing to to give up in order to get into that type of a situation? And that's the tricky spot for the Hornets, where I don't expect them to get a lot back for Bridges. I mean, not even factoring in the off court stuff. Just you're not going to get back the kind of return that his performance on the floor would suggest because of the situation that I just described. And again, that's not factoring in the off-court stuff. Yeah, and that's clearly a huge part of this too is all the off-court stuff. Normally, I would say any player who is on an expiring $8 million contract, they're probably getting traded, especially if they're on a bad team because it makes sense. But for all the reasons we just covered, I would not be surprised if if we hit three o'clock on Thursday and Miles Bridges is still a Hornet and there's no no uh, thought to him being anywhere else. Want to cover a little bit of breaking yeah. news? It's not yes, a trade. We, it's not but, a trade. I'm not going to hit the button for it, yeah. but we do have uh, injury replacements to the All-Star game. Trey Young and Scotty Barnes replacing Joel Embiid and Julius Randle. Uh, I think those are, those are worthy selections. Those are the people most said got snubbed. And so here it is. Uh, the everything has been has worked out just fine in the end, and Trey Young and Scotty Barnes will be all stars. 
The uh the, the sound you were hearing is the angst from Celtics fans who are mad that that uh neither Derek White nor uh Kristaps Porzingis got got a spot. So Fair. do you uh, think that those guys should have gotten spots ahead of Trey Young and, and Scotty Barnes? It depends on what you value. I mean, these are two right. guys that are coming in from teams that stink. Like and, and I don't know that they've been all that absolutely incredible players this year that it makes up the difference. I mm-hmm. also don't know that Boston has been good enough to have more than Tatum and Brown. So I, I'm not going to get overly worked up about it, nor will I think, you know, I think Derek White and Porzingis probably would have liked to have gone. I don't think Porzingis has made an all-star game yet. I know for certain Derek White is not. So I, you know, I, I think he probably would like to have gone. Uh, there. So l- let me check that on Porzingis. I'm fairly I mean, there's there game. are legitimately some players. He did make an all-star game. Oh, did he? Okay. Yes, last year with New York before he got hurt. There you go. I there, There's legitimately, legitimately some players who are at a point, and we're talking older players in the NBA, where they would rather have the week off to go on vacation sure. with their families and yep. rest than go to the all-star game. I don't think Porzingis or Derek White would be, would be in that category. But there are guys who who we hear them talk about sometimes. They're like, "Man, I have I've got plans with my family and yeah. stuff, or I want to go do this or, or whatever." Now, now I got to go to the All Star game. Um, not to say that they are, you know, upset at getting. You know, obviously, it's an honor and it's and it means something and, and everything. Um, I don't know if the game itself means anything, but being selected to the All Star All Star team does mean something to these guys. But you know, when we talk about, well, did this guy miss out? Yeah. But there's a silver lining for, for some of <laughs> yeah. these guys too. I I think there's a whole lot of guys who would love to be named an all-star yes. and then roll an ankle two weeks before and not be able to go or <laughs> oh, you know, something shoot. like that. Or maybe the game before, like, hey, right. I can't go now. Like, I think they'd be okay with that. Like, I often wonder, it's probably very different because like LeBron has such an appreciation for the history sure. of the game and his place in the history of the game. But I got to imagine like, he talked about about Christmas, right? Like he's like, yeah, I've played on Christmas every year. Like yeah, he, I, I don't think he really wants to kids. do it anymore. Yeah, right. I, I think he's probably in the same place with the All Star games. I think, I think he would probably welcome a chance to like, wait, I can go put my feet up on a beach somewhere. I can go to every one of Bronny's games and uh, what's his Bryce, right? That's mm-hmm. his other son that's still in high school. I can see all of their stuff over the next week and just be dad like I'm sure he would welcome that at this point and rather than hey let me go play 20 minutes and in, in another yet another all-star game so yeah i yeah and you know it, it it probably is highly dependent for a lot of guys on where is it too if the all-star game is in la and i'm coming from the northeast i'm probably like yeah please i'll go like i'm very happy to mm-hmm. get out of the northeast for you know a week in the middle of the winter and if it's if i'm in la like Lakers and Clippers guys. I don't know how super psyched I am about going to a northern city where it's going to be cold. But sure, it's the All Star game, so kind of is what it is. So uh, yeah, this year is in Indianapolis. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. You not go. super nice weather, but a lot of people really do like Indianapolis and oh, clearly sure. a place that loves the uh, loves the um, the uh, the you know, loves the game of basketball. With that, hey, I want to go through something real quick. Yeah, back to our topic about is it slow uh, right now so a year ago which Mm -hmm. was a monster trade deadline right we had Kyrie and KD yeah right right. we had like 14 trades happening and all sorts of craziness we had one trade on Monday that was a Kyrie Irving trade we had two trades on Tuesday two small ones Wednesday technically we didn't have any trades because the KD one happened so late it was really Thursday morning when that happened um Thursday how many Trade deadline day trades do you think we had last year on trade deadline day? Oh, I remember we talked about it on that day. Yep. It, we I wound up having it total, I want to say we wound up with like 21 or something like that. I think it, it so in and the maybe end, that was the because, entirety of the deadline. Yeah, some of them got combined together. Like that's right. That's right. They did. The Some of the ones we considered separate. Yep. Into the Kevin Durant trade. The Lakers deal turned into yeah, a four-team trade. Exactly. Yeah, right, right, right. So we ended up with 12 official trades on trade deadline day. Okay. But it felt a lot more like we got 17 or 18 because we yeah. had all these ones came as pieces and parts, and then it they kind of smushed them all together to make stuff. So if we had a similar type thing, even without the super-duper star trades, like for KD and Kyrie, 
I'd be pretty happy in the next couple of days. That means we had a very fun trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. And, and I don't think the big names are going to move this year. But if we got, I'd be happy with 12, 12 yeah, trades. Sure. Yeah. That. Move All some right. good, solid role players. We, we can get into that. For sure. Uh, Clay Thompson talked a little bit about being benched. Yeah. And how that's kind of new territory for him as he's getting up there in years. And I mean, this this probably matters for his contract situation too, um, especially if he's, whether he's staying with the Warriors this summer, whether he's going somewhere else. Um, not ideal for, for Clay. And I think it's a sign of how much things have changed for him, especially on the defensive side of the floor, since he's suffered all these injuries, a couple of years of, of injuries. Uh, he's he's not the same guy that uh, that he used to be, and that's never an easy thing for a player to to deal with. Yeah, his his exact quote when he was asked. So this is two of the last three games he hasn't been on the floor when they closed out games, and this is a team that's pushing right. They need every win they can get. So he um, said, "Yeah, you kidding me? Go go from you know one of the best players. It's hard for anybody." I'll be honest with you. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. That's when he is asked how much his role change has been an adjustment. Steve Kerr's quote was, he's fine. This is a season where he's had a lot of ups and downs. It's not easy for a guy who's been so good and a Hall of Fame player to deal with the injuries. And it's never easy for a player getting older. He's mentally tough, though. Then um, Thompson said, I feel great physically, mentally, probably a little, little of different story but such is life. Uh, I think what was also interesting was at one point when he was being asked about it by reporters, Draymond Green, as he's apt to do, chimed in unasked and said, hey, I got benched in game five of the 2022 NBA finals. Like it happens. And a couple of people were like, what a jerk. Like, why is he doing that? (laughs) But I think he was doing it. My sense, and you can hear him. If you watch the clip, you can overhear him, his tone. I think his 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 meaning on that was like trying to pick his guy up, right? Like, hey man, like I've been there, like it happens, and I bounce back, and it's fine. So they, but this is just another sign of this is where Clay Thompson kind of is at this point. The Warriors they've got mm-hmm. Kaminga, they've got Brandon Pajemski's playing pretty good basketball. They've got options where they can go a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller, and he's just not really a part of things right now. Yeah. Uh, that's just that's that's what happens as you if you get yep. you get injured you get older that's, that's the way it goes um speaking of getting older the oldest player in the league lebron james uh had a few things to say about the lakers at the trade deadline he was asked Shot. about whether or not right <laughs> he, he was he was asked about uh if he believes in the team as currently constructed essentially like hey do the lakers need to make a trade he said that's not a question for me i love who we have in the locker room and that's all I worry about. I don't get caught up in that. We're going to go out and prepare ourselves every single night, no matter what that is, no matter who's out uh, on this team, no matter what. It's my job and AD's job as the captains to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing, and the main focus is now Thursday's game at home. We're looking forward to that matchup. Um, this LeBron is very good at this, at, at answering questions, deflecting questions, and giving Look, we the can the argue. Answer. If LeBron's the best player in NBA history, he is the best at this in NBA history. Yes. Full stop. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no more discussion. I mean, he's been interviewed since he was what, like 12, you know? Yeah. So, so he's, yeah. he's used he to it. He's yeah. very used to it, but he knows how to navigate these situations. I mean, the guy, we... guy tweeted a gif of Arthur's like making a fist and like right. set the internet on fire for like three days. <laughs> he, <laughs> so... sent, he sent a, an hourglass emoji. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it was like, what does it mean? Takes. He knows so, yeah, what he's, he's doing. He's um, the king of this, if nothing else. Do we do I buy any of this? No, that's not a question for me. That's not true. Of course, he gets consulted on all this kind of stuff. If you're the Lakers and you're not consulting him on moves and stuff you might make, you're crazy. Like, of course, he's being because that is a question for him. But but he's not going to answer it. He's not going to say, well, we really need to move this guy, this guy, this guy, that guy over there on the other side of the locker room. Yeah, get rid of him. He's not going to say all that kind of stuff. But it's this is much more of. Hey, LeBron, we have a chance to get player X yeah. means trading player Y. Are you on board with that or not? Like right. that's where it's going to go is that kind of conversation. It is not a conversation of, Hey, we got to, you know, like LeBron, can you read up on, you know, uh, paragraph three subsection, a, you know, bullet 
five about the CBA and trade rules. Like he's not doing that. It is no. Rob Palenka and the staff come to him and they do it. And guess what happens with a whole bunch of superstars on a lot yep. of teams. What I do think is a little different is it used to be like, he had no problem when he was with the Cavs being like, I want this guy. I want that guy. I want this mm-hmm. guy. Like calling guys out by name. He doesn't seem to be doing as much of that anymore. I think it's just a lot more of like, Hey, let's kind of go here. I did think it was very funny about how LeBron put a Knicks towel on after the Knicks <laughs> yeah. game. And then Tim Bontemps of ESPN was the first one I heard was like, look, I go to a lot of Knicks games. Every towel that the Knicks give out has a Knicks logo on it. Like in the home team provides the towels. Like it's not, not a thing. But then Brian Windhorst, who knows LeBron probably about as good as anybody in the media said, eh, but LeBron doesn't do anything without considering like, what is this? Look like? right. And let's be fair. He also wore orange and blue <laughs> into the arena that night, which if <laughs> nothing else, it was probably for his own amusement of, Hey, oh, this yeah. is going to be, you know, 9 million people are going to spend hours breaking this all down. What, what did it mean that he wore Nick's colors? And, and he very clearly when he said, yeah, I, I did think at points in my career, I might play here sometime. Like, of course he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Like, and he, and he specifically said when I was a free agent, yeah, I thought about I thought about playing it, yeah. but but still, uh, and he was talking about way back. I think he was talking about 2010. But uh, but regardless, he like he knows how things are going to be perce- perceived. The temptation for LeBron to not and, I, and when you see it with the the hourglass emoji, not to just random like if LeBron <laughs> tweeted out the eyeball emoji, oh my like God. the the it, internet would just break. It would yeah, be it. Like be that would that would be the end. Facts. Yeah. 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 Like and the temptation to to do that must be just terrible. Must yeah. be terrible, be because you know he he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's saying. But again, he's not going to give anybody any clues on what's going on. In fact, they asked him like, uh, "Do you know what you're going to do with your player option?" No. That, yeah. that was his whole answer. No. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's not going to give away anything. Yeah, I think he's being very honest. I don't yeah. think he knows today. No. You know, five months ahead of time, almost what he's going to do with his player option. No. Yeah, exactly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, I think that about wraps wraps things up for today's show. Do appreciate everybody for joining us. Oh, I got to say one last thing. Yeah. Did D'Angelo Russell comment of... Hey, you know, hey, trade talks is nothing I can do. You can't control it. Yeah, uh-huh. you could have. <laughs> you could have said no. I, I I want to keep my no trade clause. You could have controlled. You very, very much could have controlled it, my friend. Like, but <laughs> I just I just, that's more just me being picky and thinking it's funny. That I, like, I believe I think he essentially sold his no trade clause in exchange oh, for more 100%. money on the on the deal. Yeah. That's that's basically what what happened. Yeah. 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 yeah, the player option, more money, 100%. The, yeah. yeah, and you know what? I don't blame him. Like, no. Go go get your money. Like, yeah, go go get it. He's good enough. He's good. It's not – he is not at a point in his career where it's like, I I need to just stay in one spot or anything. And the reality is right now he's turned himself into a really nice trade chip because he's playing mm-hmm. real well, almost to the point where if I'm the Lakers, I'm probably starting to have real conversations of what move can we really make that is – going to be that much better than what we're doing right now. Yeah. It's not saying they shouldn't do a smaller move, but the move where it is Russell plus another guy plus a draft pick. 
I just don't know if that move is there. And, and I, I would start to think real hard about maybe we just roll this over to the summertime and, and we, we let this season, we'll, we'll figure it out. It goes where it goes and we'll roll it into the summertime and figure it all out there. Cause that's the other thing. A couple of people have asked are like, does that no trade clause expire for him there? No, that once he picks up that option, it, it would have been gone anyway. He would no yeah. longer have had it. So, right. so yeah, so he'd be in a spot where he, now, now he's effective. He's no longer on a one-year deal. He exercised the option to turn it into a two-year deal, and then then he could be moved. So he's yeah. he's playing well enough to where if you're the Lakers, the it's more the fear is that he's going to decline the player option than he's going to. Yeah. Then, oh no, he's going to pick like you want him to pick that up. Yeah. Um, if he declines it, that becomes a uh, uh oh. Now you could lose him for nothing, and you got to bring <laughs> or the money. We just and- run it all back. Right, right, exactly. We 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 feel your real value is seventeen and a half, but we'll give you twenty two to do this or something. Yeah, let's do another two years. Uh, What's it going to cost to get the no trade clause out? Yep, yeah, (laughs) we'll give you a player option on the second year. Yeah, to a point, if you're the Lakers, it's probably worth it, right? As long as you feel like, as long as you don't go so far that he becomes an, as long as you're not like, all right, fine, we'll give you thirty five million. Thirty five million, like nobody's trading for him now. No, like yeah, if it's like, all right, we'll give you a couple million extra. To, to get to to get you to waive the no trade, let's just run it right back. That's probably not the worst idea in the world. Yep. Good. Yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, make sure you go check out the basketball bulletin. Put the link in the description down below. We do appreciate all the support we've gotten already over there. So go check it out. Got some new stuff coming out every day over there. Uh, and we do appreciate everybody who has been subscribing here on the YouTube channel over on the podcast side as well. Thanks again. And a lot of ratings and reviews have been coming in mm-hmm. over on uh, Apple, too. We saw a whole bunch of new ones coming in, too. Just another subtle reminder. Five stars is good. One star is not good. <laughs> we have a couple of people who, one. who wrote very kind, uh, lengthy re- reviews, but then rated the podcast a one. <laughs> like, you know, so it, that's just a, a reminder. Five is the best. Nudge. If you want to go back and fix that, that's just a little helpful. But just yeah, anything it, that can it help goes up because it helps people find it over on Apple as well. And make sure you like uh, and you know, like the uh, videos here too if you're mm-hmm. a subscriber because it helps, helps us uh, get found by even more people out there. So, All right, everybody. On that, hopefully we have some uh, some fireworks between now and uh, our show tomorrow. Till then, everybody, see ya, and stay safe. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.